Well, uh, my next guest finished third in the last mayoral election and is running for mayor again, a policy analyst. She says she knows the power of building uh, Toronto through collaboration, innovation and inclusivity. Welcome to Toronto this weekend, Chloe Brown. Thank you. How are you today? Good, good, good. So happy to have you on the show. So, Chloe, tell me about the process of deciding to run again. Why, why did you decide to run again? It was a very rare occurrence to have someone who represents the old guard step down like that in my lifetime. Hmm. And someone described it as catching lightning in a bottle, where the first time I was trying to be heard, now I'm trying to do the lightning capturing. And yeah, it really inspired me to just give it another go because when am I ever going to have a mayoral by-election at this time in my life. Yeah. And so close to the last election where you came in third, you know, as you were talking, it just popped into my mind. Do you, did you ever get frustrated at the fact that, you know, just literally months after you had run in the last mayoral election, here we are again, and that maybe this could have all been avoided if, uh, if you know, the news that we now know about the scandal that our last mayor was a part of had been uh, known back then, maybe you could have been mayor of the city of Toronto, Chloe. Yeah, it's not even about me being mayor. It's just the deep, unethical values that we're so used to mm. that really, it really rubbed me the wrong way, for lack of a better word, because... As an analyst, you build your whole life around elections, building budgets, mandates, making the adjustments, and he passed the budget mm-hmm. and then left. So it's it's really frustrating because hundreds of people, not even hundreds, but like millions of people's lives get changed because one guy's appetite was so undisciplined, he just couldn't deny himself power. Mm-hmm. And that's the deep unethical behavior that people expect from governments. And it makes all of us in public service look bad. I know that's hurt. That's hurtful to me as a professional and a person. Yeah. Uh, And I know you want to change that much like many of the other candidates have said that they want to change that as well. Interesting, Chloe, in the latest uh, Main Street poll, I don't know if you probably you probably know this. I'm sure that your team has shared this information with you. You are tracking at four percent tied with Brad Bradford. Um, You haven't been a part of the debate so far. Uh, Do you hope that changes and you're able to share more of your platform in some of the, the debates that are coming up over the next couple of weeks? I hope so. The first time I ran, I get, I was running against the John Tory machine. Mm-hmm. Now it's the Doug Ford candidate. It's the NDP candidate, the liberal choices and whatever the right wing is throwing forward. So I just want a chance to speak for workers. There's so much ideology out there and little practicality. And that's really what I want to bring to the stage because we deserve more than rhetoric. And polls have been difficult because as an analyst, I understand how sampling is conducted Mm -hmm. to come to those numbers. And a lot of my voter race is young people or people that don't answer their phone because of the increase of scam phone calls. Mm -hmm. 
So the way that they structured the polls, it's not surprising to me that I've been excluded. But as I'm rising up the polls, I do hope I get a chance or 10 to at least speak my mind and speak on behalf of the people that trust me. Let's talk about your plan. Uh, You've broken it down, your platform, into what you call the three C's. First is community. And you say that Toronto can be safer in nine months. Talk to me, unfold that a little bit for me, Chloe, and how you see that happening. So one of the biggest issues in our city is that the working class have no assets to their name. One of the things that I want to do is just start rapidly developing housing. We have the technology, we've seen micro homes and how places like Oakland, California have used them. There are a variety of places around the world that are using these micro homes in parking lots and abandoned spaces to give people stabilized homes. Shelters are not stabilized homes, they're transitional spaces. And this is where nine months can really change a lot of lives because you can rapidly develop hundreds of these micro homes. We have some of them actually sitting in a TTC yard, 59 modular supportive units that should have gone into Lily Chang's ward that have been debated about. And this is where the mayor really needs to focus on getting people off the street as opposed to entertaining these petty fights about who deserves to be a neighbor. Because the issue has always been we don't have enough permanent homes for people that are experiencing severe and complex disabilities who make up, and they are the people that make up the majority of people that are homeless. So once you start getting them off the street and using that rapid development model for that smaller population, you can use it for workforce housing. And that's how you get the social workers, healthcare workers, and everyone else who has been pushed out of the city back into the city. This is how we incentivize mixed-use developments so that more nonprofit and for-profit housing exist in the same space. And we make sure that if it's on public land, there's different levels of affordability. So when I say nine months, it's really about just accelerating what is already possible and making it extraordinary. Because the technology is there, the resources are there, it's always been about the lack of imagination from the leadership level that delays the implementation of solutions. Okay, so take me back. So I love this idea of this modular housing plan. Um, So you say that this will be on public land. Describe to me where you would see this happening. Would there be, because the last thing I think cities want or even Toronto wants is a ghettoization. And I don't think, uh, you know, street involved people want to also be in a ghetto situation either. So how do you see this working out so that, you know, street involved people, because I love this idea that you're saying when you're talking about housing, you're talking about first focusing on getting people who are street involved off the streets and into housing, uh, because I don't think that approach is being seen across the border with the other candidates that we've heard of so far. So talk to me a little bit more about the plan and how do we make sure, where, where do we put this modular housing? How do we make sure that it's mixed in properly with other uh, levels of housing? So the TTC is one of the spaces that I want to start leveraging revenue generating tools from and there's a lot of air rights and ground leasing opportunities at TTC to get the funding going so getting those development contracts ready 
across 80 stations is one of my main priorities. And then looking at other surplus lands we have at our disposal. So there's a lot of parking lots that could be transformed with green spaces to reduce this idea of ghettoization, which is often a lack of neighborhood amenities. We really need to do better by the people that we're going to be housing because the truth is these micro homes are the first stop. We're always going to need these types of shelters because there are people fleeing abuse, there are people fleeing violence, and people that need to be hidden from traffickers. So having a lot of these different modular micro homes placed across surplus lands in closed courtyards is really important. So we can redesign empty lots, parking lots, so that they're closed courtyards and only the supportive team and the residents there are the ones coming in and out. It's really a matter of us entrusting artists, designers, builders to take a different approach to creating supportive housing in a way that gives people dignity and privacy and also builds the resources they need within that neighbor, like micro neighborhood, if you see what I'm saying. Because the truth is we need mobile healthcare services, mobile social services, and not just mobile as on your phone. You need them taking the TTC and being seen moving throughout the city because to be honest, visibility is a lot. This is why the police are often used as the first visible deterrent, but we need social workers to be as visible deterrents, healthcare workers, paramedics, because they are also a part of the public safety equation. So yeah, when I think about using public land, it's really about building above a lot of our community resources, using the empty lots and underused lots in our city to make sure that there's a diversity of housing solutions present. Because the truth is, what really leads to ghettoization is the fact that we stigmatize where people live. Mm. If it's in a closed courtyard situation, what business is it of yours to further stigmatize these residents by standing out there and pointing out that people in this building are receiving help? Let's just blend things in so that people are getting in, getting help in plain sight, but with a sense of privacy. Uh, you know, I was talking about your platform and you uh, call it the three C's. Uh, we've talked uh, a little bit about community. I wish we had the full show to go through everything, but we don't. I want to talk a little bit more about connectivity. And you talk uh, about, you know, plans of uh, bringing together transit, getting the city moving again. What does that look like for you? For me, it really looks like us investing in our capacity to create new products. As residents, I feel that we have been led to believe that only one group in our society can create things. And this is where the public service is in desperate need of more user-friendly tools. And when it comes to TTC, it's as small as adding a rating system to the roots. If I could rate my roots the way I rate Uber, there is this rich data pool available for making these transit rides better for the user. Right now, the TTC board is filled with executives that I don't imagine take TTC regularly. So there's not any incentive to be creating these micro tools that would help with better transit planning decisions 
and an integrated transit approach. And I say this because my goal is to bring all of the transit planning units that operate in the city together because TTC operates as its own corporation. You have the transportation unit at City of Toronto, ferries run by Parks, Forest and Recreation. It should just be one transit planning authority. So this is why I want to use data to create better commissions because the truth is we are a city that is rich with data. We're not using it in an intelligent way to make better products. We're using it for reporting and monitoring, which is great for me as an analyst, but you as the end user are not seeing progress. So connectivity is really about connecting residents to the information that they have so that they can shape better tools because form and design require knowing the, what the user needs. And not a lot of us know what our neighbors need to make better tools for the greatest amount of users. And that's where the library cards becomes in integral as well, because your library card could be booking you access to art therapy, recreation. It could be used as a way to get tickets because we already pay into a grant system for artists. Why aren't you getting tickets to the theater, music shows, a variety of things that your tax dollars are already paying for? It's a matter of turning the library card into an presto card just for education and professional development. So yeah, connectivity is just connecting people to the data that's already flowing freely out of them and making it useful for them. I, I will say, I will say, Chloe, as I've been looking through your platform, a, a lot of your ideas are refreshing, I will say, to, to hear. I mean, I, you know, again, as I said, if we had hours, I would love to dig into it more. <laughs> but um, it's refreshing just to, to hear, even though even your idea that you have about the library card and it, it being accessible to uh, different arts um, ex experiences throughout the city and so forth. Talk to me a little bit more because, you know, things that we hear a lot in the news is around transit safety, um, mobility, gridlock in the city and you have you touched on it this this idea of integrating uh, the TTC Toronto Parking Authority tr um, and transit expansion into one as well as the ferry services into one how do you see that changing uh, the experience and making uh, the TTC more profitable a safer for people and getting ridership up all things that are important to uh, be able to move this city forward so when it comes to the ttc i would really like to use their real estate portfolio to leverage better transit hubs i think of places like japan where their transit stations are full experiences there's commercial tenants residential tenants living above the station and there's this opportunity to leverage a lot more revenue out of that existing like infrastructure. Mm. And then with the parking authority, have that directly pay into transit improvements. Right now, parking authority is under Toronto Police Services. If that chunk of money was actually going towards making safer stations, we could have medical services in the toll booth that are no longer in use we can really transform the existing space into something that's useful for people as opposed to just making profit for the city. And that's where the TTC really needs to be thinking of its users and how their first and last mile trips connect. And it could be doing that 
if it was connected to all the services that people use. And I say this because transportation services at the city really just focuses on the sidewalks, the pedestrian paths, the road design. It doesn't look at transit as the vehicles that connect to those spots. So this is why we have this fragmented experience when we have a pedestrian or like driving experience on the roads because there's five different departments that don't speak to each other. Mm. They operate in isolation and then they have to go to council to fight for these little piecemeal solutions. And my solution is take that authority and then break it into four parts. Send a TTC to Etobicoke, send the TTC to Scarborough and work with those little groups. Not little because TTC is a larger operation, mm-hmm. but I want more transit engineers and planners working directly with neighborhoods. I don't want them to have to always come downtown and people have to always come downtown to make better decisions. I want to essentially de-amalgamate. It's a soft de-amalgamation, but like send all the civil servants that are needed back to the civic centers because people in Etobicoke deserve the same services without coming downtown. And that's why the commissioner's model is so like large because those eight commissions will then be broken up into neighborhood council teams wow so you're seeing a a return back to uh smaller municipalities and going back oh okay okay and that's where why isn't there an uptown midtown downtown scarborough or etobicoke okay so reversing the amalgamation yeah and making sure everyone has an integrated transit network because the truth is if we rezone those regions All that really needs to be done is that there are transit networks that move people north, south, east, and west in those regions. We can rebuild the vitality of Etobicoke and Scarborough if we stop believing that downtown and uptown ends west, like east of Bathurst, west of Broadview. Because that's really what they talk about when they say uptown, midtown, downtown. Yeah. Okay, Chloe, my my time is ticking, and I do Mm want to ask you about the budget shortfall. So, you know, some Mm -hmm. of these ideas are are exciting, great, out of the box. Uh, You know, Toronto's looking at a $46 billion shortfall over the next decade. You know, right now we have $1.3 billion hole. How do you fund all of this? What goes, what stays? How How do we fund some of these ideas? I'm really... I'm really serious about making our assets work for us. Mm. I believe the city of Toronto has a very poor asset monetization and management style. And when I talk about building on top of existing assets, it's like, why don't writers, actors, and a variety of people in arts and cultures work and live above libraries? We have a hundred branches built on top of them. Every community center could be housing people that work in recreation and entertainment. There's so many opportunities if we change the way that the land permitted us to live. And that's zoning. And this is where the big fight around zoning is really, it hasn't changed since my parents arrived in the 70s. Mm. And that may have been good for them, but the reality for me is a lot different. I have to live in a more dense neighborhood. I can't have the huge single family home on a lot because it's no longer conducive to saving the climate. So we really need to make better use of what we've already have. And 
generate revenue from there and also tax the lands that are not working for the people. Because if you walk around Toronto, there's a lot of empty lots that are fenced off that are not being used. A lot of parking lots that could be housing. And when I say building on top of transit, like how many parking lots would you need if you were building apartments on top of TTC stations? It's a matter of priorities. And if we were working for the working class, public policy would give the greatest amount of users higher purchasing powers, and that would build the economy. Because the truth is, government is built to tax and spend. There's no way around it. It's not a startup or a venture capital fund. It's our trust fund as working class people because we pay taxes, union dues, pensions, and our shares in the Corporation of Toronto should be working harder for us. Okay, we're going to have to call it there. Chloe, so appreciate your time and being on Toronto this weekend. Uh, I hope that we are able to hear more of you in the upcoming debate and uh, you're thinking in creative, innovative ways. And I hope that, people we, that we can hear more of that. Thank you so much for your time today, Chloe. Absolutely. Have a great day.